electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. I'm Scott Wapner, and you're listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast, the most profitable hour of the trading day. We record this live weekdays at 12 Eastern. Listen in. Welcome to the Halftime Report. I'm Scott Wapner, front and center this hour of the great tech sell-off. And whether it is nearing a bottom, we debate the markets and your money with our investment committee. Joining us today, a great group. Jason Snipe, the principal of Odyssey Capital Advisors. Kerry Firestone, the CEO of Arias Asset Management. Steve Weiss, Jim Laventhal, Joe Terranovitz. Good to see everybody. Let's go to the wall stocks, as you know. Selling off once again. Once again, it is tech. Where our focus is, it's the worst week for the S&P now. Since January, inflation comes in hot. The tech sell-off continues. Guys, I thought a tweet today from our friend Liz Young pretty much summed up everything. I want to put it on the screen because it's going to be the focal point of where we jump off. She talks about inflation running hotter than expected. Fed says it's transitory. Market seems otherwise. Uh, Comparances, she says, cause some exaggeration. We just won't know until later this year. The problem, Steve Weiss, the market's not waiting around. Market's not waiting to find out next till later this year. If it's transitory or not, it's placing its bets today, and so are you. And that's why I've come to you first. You sold Boeing, you sold Facebook, you sold the Industrials ETF, you're short the ARK Innovation Fund, and you've added puts in the ARK ARKK as well. The floor is yours. Tell our viewers why. Yeah, and I'm also short uh, snow, and I'm short uh, CrowdStrike, and I've got puts in both of those and some other puts. And here's the reason. And what Liz said, I agree with exactly. I said the same thing on Monday, and I've said it before. The Fed may have the patience to wait, but investors won't. So the market's going to lead it. So by the time you get to where the Fed is, they'll have moved closer to where the market is, and they'll have to go earlier. And keep in mind that we're seeing this major tick up in inflation with Europe still partially in a recession. So when you get that synchronized global recovery, which you will get, you're going to see inflation even at a greater level. Hey, anecdotally, we all see it. You see it in the supermarket. I went to order a bicycle yesterday. They told me November. November 22 is when it's going to come in. So inflation may be transitory, but we're going to feel it in the stocks. And it's not just going to be the tech stocks. It's going to be the market because you're getting a multiple adjustment that's a little long overdue. So I think you got to lower your exposure. I'm not going to say we're in a bear market. We're definitely going into a correction. So, and a lot of stocks have already been okay, in correction. So, so in you, you're, not just, you're not just focused, sorry, you're not just focused on tech, right? NASDAQ's down 300 points right now. I thought value was all in vogue now, right? That, that's what part of the rotation has been about. Moving out of tech and moving into plays that are more apt to, to do well in this recovery. Yet you're, you're out of Boeing and the industrials too. So this is like a broad market statement right. that you're making today. Oh, absolutely. And it's, it's, if you recall, on Monday I said 25% cash and looking to go higher. Look, I do think that there are parts of the market that will do well. And what I'm looking to do is raise enough cash 
take advantage of those. We've got PPI tomorrow. My guess is that's going to run hot also, even though, of course, we're expecting it at this point. And so I want to have the cash to go back to things that are value. And I could feed that cash by selling things. Boeing and Facebook were trades. I was very clear. I didn't know to need to own every fang. So you don't hang on to trades in this kind of market. So I'm out of those. All right. So, you know, watching the Dow, the Dow's down by, by better than 400 points now. We're at the lows of the day across the board. There you go. Dow's down 433. S&P's now down one and a half percent. The Nasdaq's down two and a quarter percent. That's a loss now of three percent. We're at the lows of the day across the board. Yield, the 10-year yield, is at the highest levels of the day. It's at 168. Jim Labenthal, you sold one of your big winners, Orbcom. It's had a massive run. You've been the one guy on the show who's been bullish, more so than everybody else. Now you're telling me that the market's pulling back and now you're nervous? Now you're selling some of the winners? I'm not. Geez, Scott, you're gone for one day and you think I'm nervous? I'm not nervous in the slightest bit. Orbcom is being purchased by a private equity company. So the price today is all you're ever going to see from that company. It's been a great company. It's up 15% per annum over the last 10 years. I'm really happy with it. But the share price is now flatlined. This is what it's going to be purchased for. So there's no reason to hang on to it. I'm going to take that cash. I'm going to redeploy it. I'm looking at some of these darling hyper growth companies, um, you know, these Twilio's, Roku's of the world. And Scott, this may this may surprise you, but I'm now thinking you can actually value these stocks. Uh, Twilio down about 40 percent from its high. I actually wanted to buy it today. Um, but, you know, look at the day. This is a day to wait. This is not a day to start uh, deploying cash. Wait, but I wait till when? Perspective. Wait till wait, when? Wait, wait for well, what? Just, what? What's the possibly, sign you're looking for? Possibly if, tomorrow. No, hold, hold on. Possibly hold tomorrow. On. Hold on, please. If today is not the day, right, what is the signal you're waiting for to know that it is? Bottoming is a process, okay? The, the stock is setting a new low today, at least as far as this year goes. Um, I could nibble at it, and I'm going to nibble at it over time, but I'd rather do it on a day when it's going up. I'm going to take a toehold in it, and I'm going to wait for a day that it's in the green. Let me say this, because this is important. You know, we're doing a lot of hand-wringing about this week, but three days ago, we had that lousy jobs report, the Fed was to the sidelines, and the market rallied. So you can expect this back and forth for the coming weeks. There's no reason to think that we're not going to be going back up. This is just the volatility that comes with the second year of a recovery off the lows. But I'm not buying on a down day. It's just not it's not good practice. OK, so Carrie Firestone, you have made a very interesting move that just jumps off my page. I mentioned how a lot of these arc like stocks are getting slammed. It's a lot of different things. Obviously, it's the cloud stocks are getting slammed. The fangs can't get any traction. The arc stocks are really getting hit. You bought more Peloton. You have to tell me about mm -hmm. this. Well, we first bought Peloton around 100. It was down from 160. And we'd been waiting for it to get there for a long time. And then they had the problem with the treadmill. And the stock went to 80. And we decided if we liked it at 100, we loved it at 80. And they can get through the process as Lululemon did and Tesla did and many other companies that are fast growers have through difficult situations where they had a product recall or they had something that damaged their reputation for a while or their stock for a while. And at $80 a share, you can certainly value this company 
on a multiple of earnings, you know, we can easily see when they'll earn $3 a share. And we thought that makes sense. So this is the type of market environment that gives you these opportunities. You have to have the nerves and the stomach to do it. And it's an investment for the long term. We don't trade as much as Steve does. I think all the moves that Steve has made in the short term make a lot of sense. But we're not doing it that way. We have a portfolio of 35 names, high conviction names, and they range from reopening trades to very big mega growth to financials and the type of stock that are great for a value investor as well. This is a growth name that we like a lot and we thought it made a huge amount of sense right here. And it's up from where we bought it. Let me ask you this question. The second are, time. <laughs> are, are, you, are you making a statement in the way that you bought this stock that you think the pullback in these kind of names is running its course, that it's almost at that point where you can go in and you can look at, uh, you know, a Zillow's down 16 percent this month and Tesla 15, Square 14, Spotify 10, Teladoc 19 or so. Is this a broader statement that you think this is running its course? Every stock has its price. Right. So if you like a name and you've been watching it, you know what you think it's worth. This was a, a time that we thought we had to buy more Peloton. It doesn't mean that applies to all the names that's in Kathy Wood's portfolio. Some of them are still way too expensive. I mean, electric vehicle as a sector got very, very overpriced. Is Tesla buy right here? I mean, I can't make that call, but there's a price if you ask me to put some you know, pen to pe paper or build the Excel spreadsheet, I could tell you where we would buy Tesla. It's probably not here, but people have their different buy points and that's what makes markets. So it, so it depends. Okay. But for this name, yes. And for some others, yes. All right. So Jason Snipe, tell, tell our viewers what to do. They've just heard Steve Weiss sell a FANG stock in, in Facebook. They just heard Steve Weiss say that he's short the ARC stocks, the very stocks that Kerry just looked at and said, you know what, I've seen enough. I'm buying Peloton. What are they to do? So it's been an obviously a very interesting backdrop and all the volatility we've seen over the last couple of weeks. I mean, I think the theme really for me is it's about earnings growth. It's about, uh, you know, it's about the reopening. It's, it's, it's paying attention to the macro story. Obviously, the high flyer, high multiple stocks are going to struggle in this environment. It's also about cash flow generation. I think that's going to be important going forward. So on the growth side, we're in established growth. But I think that this value trade has been going on since November. I mean, this is this is not a new thing, but I think it continues to uh, move higher from here for sure. All right, Joe T, the man with the ETF. What's the story here? What are we what Hi, are Scott. we supposed to take from all of this now? Yeah, I, I think the story is that we've got to stay calm here. I think the story is that the perception of inflation is enough to continue this reflation rotation towards cyclically oriented equity names. I also think the improvement in European COVID trends is lending to a lot of flows of capital out of defensive technology. Scott, if you look at a German 10-year treasury, it's pricing negative 12 basis points. Those are uh, the, the most improved levels since July of 2019. So uh, I've listened to the comments of everyone. I don't think the time is now to go in and buy the ARC names or the cloud names. They've broken down significantly. They're all well below their 200-day moving average. 
whether it's Teladoc or Zoom or DocuSign or Twilio. Look at the bifurcation. The Russell and the NASDAQ are both below their 100-day moving average. So I think you want to stay with the S&P 500, Dow Industrial-oriented type of names. Yeah. Uh, you've got some names that are teetering right now and technically breaking down. One of them happens to be Apple. Apple just broke its 200-day moving average for the first time in a year, but I still think that's the right place to be because it's quality in terms of its uh, growth orientation. Yeah, I mean, it's more than 20 bucks now off of its 52-week high, which was $145. Now, just to come back at you, um, but what you said, I mean, Weiss just told mm -hmm. me to sell the industrials. You're telling me to look towards the industrials, right? He sells Boeing, he sells the XLI. It seems like the whole market is has some sort of issue so look, i mean the dow's down 456 so Tip, maybe today today yeah go ahead uh, today it does you're correct and i think a lot of that is the expectation that there'll be margin calls this afternoon and that the selling pressure is going to accelerate uh, you're even seeing energy which is pulling back right now so that i agree with I, th I think that's temporary in its nature. I think over the next couple of days, that's something where you could see broad-based selling. But I think looking and pulling the lens back a little bit here over the course of the coming months, I still believe the cyclically-oriented allocation is the right place to be, and industrials fall within that allocation. This is the worst-case scenario, right, S S Steve Weiss? If you have, you know, everybody's feeling so good about where the economy is, but yet you have the cyclical stocks start to sell off, and then you look at the biggest stock in the market, which is Apple, and it has no traction whatsoever. It hadn't been doing anything, and now it's actually declining. Until that reverses itself, you got a problem. Yeah, and by the way, I'm not selling all the industrials. I'm just looking to lower my exposure. My biggest exposure happens to be in iron ore by a large margin. So I still think it's there. I'm just betting it's a stock picker's market, so I can pick stocks better than the ETF can at this point. So look, it, it, what we're seeing is, as I said in my earlier comments, is a re-rating of the market. That's what's driven the market is multiple expansion over a few years. Sure, we had great growth, but it's largely been multiple expansion. And that just doesn't continue forever. And it definitely doesn't continue in a rising rate environment, whether you're in so-called value, which has, as Jason pointed out, been going on for a while, yeah. or whether you're in growth. Don't but I can't buy, and I'm not short Kathy Woods. Kathy's brilliant, but she's put together a basket of stocks that I think is still very vulnerable at between 50 and 100 times revenue. Don't we get any credit? They're not credit? going higher. They're going lower. Don't we get any credit for earnings? I mean, the whole point was multiple expansion and not paying attention to earnings because we knew we were in the depths of the worst economic situation of our lifetimes. And we knew that it was going to get better. And earnings have been fabulous. So why aren't we giving earnings the credit that they deserve? The market had already anticipated all of that. They have. And, you know, I agree with you. And I own stocks, Corvo and, and Skyworks, where they cut back, blew out numbers. And I think, like you, that they should get credit for it. They should be higher. But guess what? I can't let my ego and what I think control what the market's doing. I've got to be able to assess where I'm right and where I'm wrong. Right now, the market's not giving credit to Unity Software, which I'm short a little and own some puts on, I mean, that stock had some good earnings. It's down today. Market doesn't care. It anticipated the earnings. And by the way, well, have even better earnings next quarter. Yeah. Annualizing the heart of the pandemic. All right. Let's, no bring it, let's bring in our headliner now, the man who's been known to move markets, J.P. Morgan's chief global market strategist, Marco Kalanovic. He joins us on the phone. Welcome back. It's nice to hear from you today.
Thank you. How much trouble is the tech trade in? Um, so, you know, obviously the inflation um, expectations going higher, yields going higher, doesn't help tech multiple, um, you know, and we wrote about that uh, earlier in the year, and, and that's sort of our forecast. Now, I would put it a little bit in a perspective, you know, NASDAQ is trading now where it was basically in January, you know, so, and keep in mind, in January, we had uh, 250,000 cases of COVID per day. We obviously didn't know anything about earnings, and we know very little about the sort of infrastructure and stimulus and, and monetary support. So I think it's overdone a little bit overall. I think investors are uh, a bit panicking. We still like cyclical reflationary exposure, but I think overall market here is, is perhaps a bit oversold. Oh, you st- you, so you think in, uh, investors are just overdoing it on their worries about inflation? I mean, that's what this is all about, right? This is the market saying to the Fed, we don't believe you. We don't believe what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that's, look, we, we do expect higher inflation. We do expect higher yields. You know, our target for yields is about 200 basis points on a 10-year um, uh, end of this year. Uh, but market, uh, we think market can sort of absorb that because economy is strong. We are reopening. We're just starting to reopen in the U.S. Then we're going to reopen in the Europe. Economy is going to be very strong. So I think market can handle uh, 200, uh, 200 basis points. But in the process, you will have these rotations, you know. And, and now today, you know, obviously CPI number upset a little bit and, and you have a, you have a sell-off sell-off especially in the growth and tech uh, but we overall think market will will go higher that said we do again prefer sort of inflation or reflationary exposures you have a target of 4400 mm-hmm. on the s p 500 and you're not wavering off of that in in any way but how long does this upset within the market last before the market can be in your words okay again I, I think we are probably at the at the end of this upset again. You know, if you look at look at the Russell 2000, look at, look at the Nasdaq. You know, they're now trading sort of below January levels. You know, and, and just just think where we were in January. We we didn't know about earnings. We didn't know about COVID. You know, and and you know wh- why were nobody screaming back in January then? Like uh, so so I think it's I think we're at the end of this upset. I think market is going to go higher here. Uh, that said, we do still again prefer sort of reflationary themes. It's interesting. I mean, you say you your headline today to our producers, the rotation to value is now starting, mm-hmm. dot, 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 for real. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. But you, you, so you do think that this is the, the longer-lasting trend that just hasn't been able to have any traction, and that is the value trade. There's been fits and there's been starts to it, but this you mm-hmm. think is for real. We think it's for real because, I mean, before you had the sort of last November, you had the vaccine, so there, was, there were hopes. You know, after vaccine, we had a pretty serious sort of a, a wave of COVID in December and January, so people started doubting that as well. Uh, you had the value bouncing back in sort of February a little bit, January, February, uh, and then it fizzled out again sort of March and April. So, so as you said, there are sort of, uh, you know, stops and go in the rotation. Uh, the real rotation starts once when we reopen economy, when you increase the mobility, when people start driving and flying and you have a demand for oil, you know, that's why we like energy sector. Um, so, so we think actually it has, a, it has a, long way, a long way to go. And alongside with the yields, you know, yields are now at, you know, call it, uh, you know, 160 or, or, or about, you know, we think they're going to go higher uh, to, to 
towards 200, and and as yields go higher, uh, a rotation a rotation continues. You know, so 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 we think actually it has a, has a lot more legs. But that doesn't mean that market has to go down. That can happen actually in the up market. You know, because we're going to be sort of adding jobs, we're going to be adding economic activity. There's going to be demand. So we think everything can go up, not just not just the value, but value would lead in our view. So you're not worried about the Fed tapering or talking of tapering or anything of the like, which we both know would not go over well in the market? Well, you know, we're not worried for, for, for now. You know, I, I, we, we think it's not going to happen this summer. Uh, you know, we'll revise it in the fall, see what happens sort of towards the end of the year. But it's not given that paper needs to crash the market. You know, if the economy is strong, maybe, maybe, maybe that's actually a, a sort of the right decision at that point in time. But Fed was very clear they're not going to do anything now. They're going to look at the jobs. You know, if anything, jobs disappointed in April. Um, so, so I think even less reason for them to rush with something, you know. So, so I don't think it's imminent. And frankly, even when it happens, which could be end of this year or early next year, you know, who knows? Let's see where the economy is at that point. And let's see where the market, maybe the market is at 5,000, you know, but if it's market where it is now, like, no, I think market is now actually getting, uh, getting um, cheap in some sense. Joe, what do you got for, for Marco? We, we've said he's, he's a guy who's been known to, to move the market and he's certainly trying to get it off the mat today with this bullish view on where we can go. Yeah, he, he, he clearly is. Marco, let me ask you, a lot of the names that we talked about, the cloud names, the ARC-type holding names, uh, the emerging growth stories, they seem to top out in February. So, you know, we're now looking at almost three months of a corrective state. Uh, do you think this is going to be much different than prior experiences of the last couple of years where corrections were very short in terms of time? This one might actually unfold over many months or even a year? Yeah, so, you know, we were never positive on a hyper-growth names. You know, and we published that back in December and, and, and reiterated early this year. So hyper-growth names, uh, you know, names that do have some sort of attributes of a bubble. You know, so those are the names uh, that have, like, these crazy multiples, and um, and, and many of them were related to COVID lockdowns or, or they were aspirational. So we highlighted a few pockets, uh, um, you know, whether it's related to SPACs or related to some of the innovation or to renewables solar electrical vehicles so so you know these names um, you know we, we still don't like them um, because again uh, you know we, we do look at it more from a value angle and and it's very hard to put valuations if there are no earn, no revenues or no earnings um, so so hyper growth names with a very very high multiples we think they're going to continue being under pressure you know and and uh, so so for those but luckily they're not huge part of the market you know so if you look at the S&P you know how many names in the S&P you can really put into that category it's a really handy we can probably count them on one, one hand, and and uh, you know, like so. So even if these names really completely fall off, like in, in, even if you remove them entirely from an index, you know that may be you know two three percent altogether. You know, so so yes, we are not positive on hyper growth, but there is a sort of growth at a reasonable price. There are large cap tech names, there are large cap growth names that are actually delivering very solid earnings. You know, we just saw it now, and they're down. You know, so. That sort of doesn't seem right to us. Let, let me let me just come back to you for, for a second before I, I get another question from, from my panel. You said of those you know hyper growth stocks, they're not, in your words, a huge part of the market, but mm-hmm. but they are in all likelihood a huge part of a new cohort in the market. That being retail, what happens if those stocks get hit to the point? I mean, they already kind of have, mm-hmm. but it goes even further and it drives some of the retail money away from the market. So you get that cohort out, that liquidity doesn't come into the market. Does that impact your forecasting at all? 
A little bit, but not much, to be honest, because basically there are other cohorts that are stepping in. You know, so for instance, if you look at the buybacks, buybacks are starting. Uh, if you look at the some of these systematic investors that uh, uh, are adding money actually this year. Because keep in mind, last year volatility was enormous. You know, this year volatility is actually quite manageable. So that puts some institutional money back into the market. So you have like a corporates through buybacks, you have some institutions. So that kind of compensate, you know, some of the call it hot retail money that may get burned through some of these very speculative name and, 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 and the, 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 the related, uh, you know, related assets. Okay. Carrie for Kalanovic. Yeah, so Marco, I'm curious that you uh, expect the market to go up another 10% this year. And you, um, I, I wonder how you feel about the participation of, of the market doing that without technology and communication service plus Amazon. That's about 40% of the market. Can the multiple of stocks that are not in those groups continue to go higher when they've already gone up a lot? I mean, industrials, a lot of financials, uh, consumer stocks have pretty high multiples today, and mm -hmm. they'll go higher uh, if there's no participation by, you know, the tech names. No, so we think there will be participation of that name, but they will not. They will not outperform. You know, they will maybe slightly underperform the market. But as you said, you know, they're a huge part. You know, basically around sixty percent. If you look at the whole ecosystem of tech, communication, discretionary, and a bit of a halo effect around it. So absolutely, you know. So so our target is forty four hundred. It's it's a, it's a bit less than 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 ten percent, uh, um, and and we do expect. Um, you know, obviously, market cannot get there without without top uh, sort of uh, uh, you know COVID things and 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 these mega cup tech names. So we do expect them to go up. And again, uh, uh, there has been some selling in them recently. Earnings earnings are pretty strong. So it's going to be a bit of a combination: earnings growing into the multiple, you know, and multiple, um, you know, having a little bit of a headwind, but there is still actually growth, you know. And and we saw that uh, we saw that in the last earnings season. You know, that said, we expect sort of uh, some of these deep cyclical sectors like energy, um, uh, financials, uh, materials, industrials, um, to, to actually outperform quite a bit. You know? so, so it might be a little bit skewed towards you know, uh, reopening, uh, reopening segments yeah, and inflationary segments. And sorry to interrupt you, in which they already have, right, outperformed. I mean, energy's up 38% year-to-date, financials 26, industrials mm -hmm. 17, materials 21. Steve Weiss, quick for Marco Kalanovic. Well, I think the basis for your whole uh, proposition there is incorrect. Even though the market was looking at, you know, 250,000 COVID deaths in January, that's not what it was trading on. It was trading on the vaccines and the reopening. So you can't mark to market at the current then and then in the future now. So you're going to see, if you're right, you're going to see massive inflation and it's going to be near term. How do you handle that? How do you deal with that? Is the market going up if you see another print like we saw today? Yeah, we do expect actually inflation to, to continue. We, we do expect that. that that's, that's our thesis. You know, that's why we like sectors like energy, for instance. You know, I think the, uh, many commodities moved up, you know, like, but if you look at, you know, oil a decade ago was trading above $100, now it's called 65, you know, so there's no reason why sort of you don't have a meaningful sort of re-rating there. Uh, so we do expect actually inflation to pick up, and some of these sectors we expect to actually benefit uh, quite a bit from them. Now, when it comes to COVID, uh, you know, in January, 
it was very, 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 uh, you know, we talked to many clients and, and people were not expecting recovery. People were expecting variants. They were expecting sort of eye of a hurricane of B117 to hit the U.S. shores. You know, that's this U.K. variant and they were expecting the other variants and stuff like that. So far from clear that the market was pricing anything of that in January and, and, and we, we, we know it's not. Even the most recently, I mean, if you look at some of these reopening stocks, they get hit on the news, you know, whether, whether the CDC allows cruises or disallow the cruises. These things move up 10, 10, 15 percent on these type of news. So it's not priced in. You know, people are people are saying it's priced in. Recovery is not priced in. COVID end of the COVID is not priced in. And we think that's going to that's going to keep on driving overall market higher, but specifically reopening and reflation teams higher. We are going to see we've got a little lowercase V we're trying to work on today on the S&P 500. As we just saw your target, 4,400. We're going to see. Marco, it's been great talking to you. It's been a while. Hope you're well and we will see you soon. Thank you very much. All right. That's Marco Kalanovic. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back and talk about the bidding war for Hertz. It's over. Shares, they're surging today. We've got new at noon details coming up next, plus the other moves the investment committee is making. Quick break. Back after this. Old Dominion Freight Line was built on keeping promises. With an industry-leading on-time delivery record and low claims rate, we keep promises better than any other LTL freight carrier because we treat every shipment like it's our most important one. Visit ODFL.com to learn more. Welcome back to the Halftime Report. I'm Rahel Solomon, and here is your CNBC News update at this hour. The attacks and counterattacks in Israel and Gaza are coming close to an all-out war, the first major conflict there since 2014. At least 48 people in Gaza, both militants and civilians, have been killed by Israeli airstrikes. Hamas rockets have killed at least six in Israel, including one soldier. Russia says that Hamas is ready to halt its attacks on what it calls a mutual basis, but Israel hasn't shown any sign of stepping back. Meantime, the Biden administration says that it wants both sides to stop. We're deeply concerned uh, about what we're seeing there. Uh, images that uh, came out overnight uh, are harrowing. And the loss of any civilian life uh, is a tragedy. And tonight on the news with Shepard Smith, where is Hamas getting all the rockets it's been firing into Israel? A Minnesota judge has found aggravating factors in the death of George Floyd, including that children were present when he died, and that could lead to a longer sentence for Derek Chauvin. President Biden meeting with congressional leaders from both parties today. They're trying to reach a compromise on his $4 trillion infrastructure plan. And Ellen DeGeneres telling The Hollywood Reporter that the next season of her daytime talk show will be the last because it's no longer a challenge for her. We should say that former producers had been accused of creating a toxic workplace environment. But, uh, Scott, next season will be season 19 for the show. So it's been a long it's had a long run. I'll send it back to yep, you. OK, Rahel, thank you, Rahel Solomon. All right, let's get some more of the moves from uh, the committee today. Jason Snipe, tell me first about buying more Goldman Sachs, because on the heels of the conversation with Marco, uh, it plays right into his thinking. Yeah, no doubt. So for me, obviously, uh, GS is up almost 37 uh, percent year to date. Obviously, it's been a it's been a rocket ship. But what I will say is uh, the print was strong, you know, here in the last couple weeks, over the last couple weeks, um, really like the pipeline. I think they have a strong pipeline. There's strength in underwriting, there's strength in equity trading. 
you know, so it was a, it was a name that we decided to actually add some capital to, for sure. Yeah, you trimmed Horton, which um, which is interesting to me. I mean, you know, look, stock's up. Uh, it's a double. It's up 100 percent in the last year. Uh, but there's so much optimism around what's happening in the housing space still. Yeah, for sure. So obviously it's up 40 percent year to date. Um, I do. I really like the housing trade. I like the do-it-yourself names. I like the builders. But, you know, concerned about material prices. You know, I think they might be at peak, but, you know, saw lumber pull back a little bit over the last few days. But, you know, for us, this is kind of some portfolio management, taking some chips off the sideline. Okay. And Joe, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Jason. Uh, Joe, you sold Louisiana Pacific, which I think we just spoke about the the other day, what I think is a really new position. So what, what gives? No, I've, I've had that position for a while, but stock's down 12% since Monday. Uh, that obviously motivated me to sell, but in addition, mm. the fundamental factor of this has been a play on lumber, and we've got Canadian mills, which are increasing production. Rail transportation is improving. You're going to see a lot of that lumber coming down, much-needed supply into the U.S. That's why the stock is under pressure. All right, good stuff, Joe. Thank you. All right, new at noon now, an update to a story we first told you about a week or so ago, that the bidding war for Hertz as that company tries to emerge from bankruptcy. The company holding an auction, that was yesterday. And Knighthead and Sertaris have emerged as the winner. It's significant because it's the shareholder group that reaps the rewards. A true rarity in such matters. What one participant told me was, quote, truly historic. There's still some moving pieces to get through. The deal has to be approved by a judge. It does allow a group of existing shareholders, though, along with Knighthead, Sertaris, and Apollo to take control of that company. The bid providing a distribution close to $8 a share. Take a look at the stock. It's up better than 40% today. $8, still a lot higher than 524, where the stock is currently trading. As you know, it's all happening at a time when travel is picking up. Hertz wants to, Hertz wants to take advantage of that, too. Weiss, you look at the move today. You know, we did the story of last week or so when Kramer was with us. You strike me as the kind of guy who may be looking at something like this, but also you can speak to just how rare it is that the shareholders come out ahead in something like this. It's usually the bondholders and the equity gets wiped. Yeah, you know, I can go back to American Airlines and when they filed bankruptcy in 2011, Dave Tepper told me, buy it. I said, what do you mean? They filed for bankruptcy. Why would I buy it? He said, buy it. The assets are worth more than the debt. They're going to restructure. You'll come out ahead. And it's true. I bought the stock at five, then I bought it at three as the rest of the world's puking it, and it eventually went to 50. Of course, we can see where it is now. But it's rare that ever happens, and trust me, you got to be very, very knowledgeable in bankruptcy. But this really sets a table. If you want a reopening trade, this is one. Although it's tough for them to buy cars now, and they sold their fleets, nonetheless, there's value in these names. So, yeah, it's rare. You may want to take advantage of it, but let it pull back a little bit first. Nobody... um Nobody raising their hands to to buy this. Joe, Jimmy, you're you're the car guy. Nope. Nope. Farmer Jim. (laughs) No, listen, I I applaud everybody who is in this and make money. This was a speculative play. I mean, there there was nothing saying that it was guaranteed you're going to get this payout. It's still a seven hundred fifty million dollar market cap company. So you're kind of playing on the fringes here. I applaud people who made money on it, but that's not my cup of tea. I like risk. That's just too much. Bring it up because, you know, Avis has a lot of debt. Hertz emerges, Kerry, with no debt after uh, after this process goes through. And we've been talking about a reopen in which Hertz wants to take advantage of a red hot travel market that we all think is going to be there. Yeah, well, one of the things about Hertz that people haven't talked about much is that 
they are one of the big owners of cars and we know that uh, previously owned whatever you call used cars these days um, cars are selling at enormous uh, premiums that the prices have gone up of new cars and used cars so I think that's another positive on the Hertz side. I was thinking about it yesterday uh, when I was watching what was going on in the stock. But as Jim pointed out, it's far to the right on the risk spectrum. It's, it's a very, very small cap name. And it's been run over by, you know, Reddit message boards and, you know, Robinhood traders. I'm not sure who's, who's in the stock um, on, on a daily basis, but it's not anything that we would own. But, but I do think that the, the fact that they own these big fleets is really interesting here. Yeah, I think we're going to talk to somebody who actually owns the stock. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, I'm not going to tell you who it is yet, but we'll take a quick break. We'll be right back after this. B2B selling is tougher than ever, and we feel your pain. If you're struggling to close deals, consider giving LinkedIn Sales Navigator a shot. This sales intelligence platform helps professionals like you engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator also guides you in targeting the right buyers, highlights key signals such as job changes or which accounts you should prioritize, and uncovers hidden hot prospects so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data, enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash halftime report. That is linkedin.com slash halftime report for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash halftime report and get started. All right, there's uh, shares of Hertz. We were just talking about them. Highs of the day up 45%. That shareholder group winning the auction for the bankrupt company. One of those shareholders joins us now. Glenn Views, Larry Robbins is with us. Larry, thanks for coming on today. Absolutely. Happy to be here. Yeah, you were part of the ad hoc group of, of shareholders. You surprised at the outcome? Give me your reaction to it. Uh, we are not surprised with the outcome. Uh, uh, we've seen the situation in, 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 uh, in, in other post-bankruptcy situations uh, in, in the past. I mean, uh, Glenview's been around for 20 years. Uh, we saw it in a negotiation with Clearwire, which was out of bankruptcy. We saw it uh, going back to the early 2000s in the PCS affiliates and in the, uh, uh, and in the uh, cell phone tower companies. Uh, oftentimes, the bondholders, uh, uh, when they need to reorganize, will try to keep all the value to themselves. And in this case, as the economy recovered, as the travel economy recovered, it was obvious to, to us and others uh, that there's a role for the equity holders to play, that there's rightfully, rightfully a recovery for equity holders. And so we, we've been a longtime investor in, in Avis uh, and in the space and in a fan, fan of the rental car industry. And Karthik Sarma and the team at SRS have done a fantastic job of remaking Avis's board and management, and unfortunately, Hertz's balance sheet uh, in the pandemic was not nearly as flexible as Avis or as Enterprise, and so they had to go into bankruptcy for liquidity reasons. What is clear coming out of the auction is that there there uh, is a significant uh, equity value, and we're certainly proud to have uh, uh, teamed together 
uh, with Discovery 2Cs and Alta and others uh, in order to advocate on behalf of all shareholders uh, that they receive their, uh, their proper uh, participation in the new plan and the new company. You mentioned how these things can generally and historically turn out. I, I spoke with another person earlier today who was involved in this process who described the shareholders winning as, quote, truly historic. Do you see it that way as well for what many people thought could happen the other way? Uh, uh, I, I think that uh, we, we were a little bit taken aback that the uh, advisors to, uh, to Hertz seemed to prioritize speed over fairness. And, uh, again, we, 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 uh, we, we appreciate the fact that the you know, Centerbridge, War, Warburg, and Dundon group put in a lot of time and effort um, and, and, and presented a, a clearly credible plan to move Hertz forward. Um, but there is not, was not, and never was an urgency that there was a five-day or 15-day deadline by which this company needed to emerge or that it, it, it would somehow be damaged. And we're, we're in a unique time where the travel economy went through clearly a, uh, a, 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 a uh, highly disruptive event um, that is repairing at, at, at quite a rapid rate. I mean, one of the things that, that, that people have been talking about today is how hot CPI was. Um, in part, it was hot because, uh, uh, because uh, airfares have gone up dramatically, travel has recovered dramatically, and so we know that we will see this resumption in both leisure travel, which has been uh, stronger than people anticipated, and ultimately corporate travel. So we have a unique situation where, on the one hand, out of self-interest, we had some creditors that obviously would love to have kept not only 100% of their claims, but 110% of their claims if they could keep all the equity and get out the door. At the same point in time that we had a rapidly repairing travel economy, uh, that's why a group of us got together six weeks ago uh, in order to advocate on, on behalf of the uh, committee. I think it's also important to note um, that the winning group, Knighthead, Cerderus, and Apollo, uh, also brought uh, significant uh, synergies and strategic benefit to the transaction that creates incremental value and really put, in our, in our eyes, uh, put that bid over the top and brings the additional value uh, not only to the equity holders in terms of their recovery, but an important part of the plan is that investors uh, uh, in, in Hertz uh, do have the right to invest additional capital in order to uh, equitize the company coming out of bankruptcy. And, you know, the plan value is at seven times 2023 EBITDA. And I, I know that the company is going to be anxious to uh, put forth uh, uh, information about why they're so excited of the plan. Our own work uh, does indicate that there's probably some upside and basis for optimism to that plan. And therefore, uh, it, it was uh, uh, certainly uh, our pleasure uh, to be able to commit to the billion six rights offering. We committed uh, uh, a significant amount of money to, to that rights offering, uh, but also it'll be to, to determined as to how the other uh, equity holders want to select their value between warrants or the right uh, to put up additional capital in New Hertz. Stock is, is absolutely rocketing. It's up nearly 60%, Larry, as we're speaking. It's still below six. The distribution was close to $8 uh, a share. Um, you know, that was a level that, that some people were, were telling me they thought this thing could trade at. What, what kind of target do you look at for Hertz now that it's going to emerge from bankruptcy in the kind of environment that you just described? There, there are three components to value that equity holders are getting under the plan. The first is $1.53 in cash. That's easy to value. 
The second is 3% of the pro forma company uh, at plan value, which when we divide by the number of shares outstanding is worth about a dollar a share. So uh, shareholders know that in terms of things that are simple to value, that they're getting $2.53, a buck 53 in cash and a dollar in equity. The third component of value shareholders have a choice of, and now we're going to get a little bit esoteric and I apologize for it, but either they have the right to invest fresh capital to own up to 35% of the reorganized Hertz, or they get, as an alternative to the opportunity to invest, shareholders can receive 30-year warrants in the new company, which is struck at a price that's, I, I believe, a premium to the plan value. The $8 number that was reported is a Black-Scholes number that includes a long-term volatility estimate over 30 years that I think you know many people are going to have uh, uh, different views on. I think that uh, uh, you know I've seen ranges as people value that third component ranging from two dollars a share to to uh, you know all the way up to uh, uh, to, to five dollars a share or five fifty a share. Um, you know, getting to that eight dollar number um, again. I think that that's going to be up to individuals in order to run their own volatility estimates and option pricing uh, a model in order to determine what those things are worth. Uh, uh, more importantly, there will be a ready market that develops, and the liquid market uh, will dictate that. So. Uh, I, I certainly would not encourage people to assume that you're getting $8 of hard value. Um, you're getting the three components. People can do their own valuations and outlook. And obviously, the more optimistic you are about the future success of Hertz, then the more the, those warrants will be worth. So uh, uh, those are the components of the plan. What is clear is that the, you know, at the time the ad hoc group was put together, the equity was a dollar thirty, and there was a lot of people who thought that uh, that was worthless, and frankly, you know, the White and Case uh, lawyers uh, were arguing that it was worthless, mm-hmm. um, arguing on behalf of the, 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 the entity, which, you know, we, we certainly weren't happy with. Um, we're glad that 10% of the equity could get together to represent 100% of the interests of the, of the equity holders and deliver something that, you know, clearly uh, is worth multiples of that uh, $1.30 that the stock price was trading at there. Um, it also gives investors the right to choose whether they simply want to be along for the ride through the warrants, uh, uh, or whether they want to put up additional capital at scale in order to size up their investments in what we think is going to be a well-capitalized uh, and, and highly liquid company. It is important that the new Hertz is emerging uh, with a much stronger balance sheet than when it went in. Uh, the uh, you know plan value market mm-hmm. cap is four point seven billion dollars, and you know uh, on the new company there's there's only seven hundred million of debt. And a billion and a half are preferred, so it's uh, you know it's a much better capitalized company coming out than it was going in. Still need cars, obviously. That that that's a challenge, which I, I you know you know about um, as well. I, I'm wondering how you're going to deal with that. I also want your thoughts on the market before I let you go, if you'd oblige me, um, Larry. And obviously, in the midst of what's been a pullback, specifically in in tech, but worries about inflation. Can you give us your your broad market view, how you see things today, before I let you run? Uh, 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 sure, sure. I, I I appreciate the question. As you know, we're a stock picking organization and try to to, to stay out of uh, brief market prognostications. But I, I I would make the following observations. Um, we we have a Fed who is clearly going to be accommodative. Everybody in the world knew that the second quarter CPI and PPI uh, data was going to be hot because of the year over year comparisons. But also at some point in time, as vaccines permeate. 
that we're going to be able to relax constraints. There's a human need uh, to have additional human interaction and connection. And so people are going to get out and about. The travel economy clearly uh, uh, will accelerate, um, but also we'll see it in consumer spending. Um, so uh, we, we know that that's clear. Um, the, the Fed has said they're going to be on hold. There will be lots of debates about what that means. But the bond market largely shrugged off that. And so I, I, I think the inflation debate will continue to rage on. We don't see it as a uh, massive threat to overall equity valuation. Secondly, it is very, very clear that the government has been and intends to continue to be stimulative. And the third thing is the, equity, the economic recovery is real. And so uh, for people who do what we do, our portfolio is trading at 14 times earnings. The overall market is trading at 20 times earnings. Um, the people I speak to and, 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 and the diligence that we do, uh, there are a number of companies who are, uh, yeah, they're going to have to deal with inflationary issues with respect to wages and inflationary issues with respect to goods. But quite honestly, that's a very, very high-class problem against a consumer who spent, who saved $2.3 trillion above trend through the pandemic and, frankly, is eager to spend it, and eager to spend it on getting together, eager to spend it uh, to make themselves feel better and to, to improve everybody's mental health coming out of the pandemic. And so uh, we, we, we are constructive overall on the market despite the inflationary fears. In particular, you know, we're, we're constructive on the health care recovery, which is not a luxury, it is a necessity. We're uh, constructive in various elements of the consumer, and, uh, yeah, the, the highest tranche of valuation of companies that uh, kind of capitalize stay-at-home forever and capitalize zero interest rates forever, there's been some sort of correction. I'm not smart enough to tell you whether that's over today or whether it's over in four weeks. Uh, but net-net, uh, Glenview has a constructive take. We're off to a very strong start of the year. And as we talk to our companies in the real economy, there is a very good basis for optimism that things will feel even better as we get to the back half of 2021. Well, I appreciate you sharing those uh, thoughts with us. Congrats on the win today in Hertz. Larry Robbins, we'll talk to you soon. Take care now. All right. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll tell you about Bill Ackman's new buy. Do it next. All right. We're back. Shares of Domino's. They're higher today. The hedge fund titan Bill Ackman taking a slice, pardon the pun, of that company. There it is, up almost 2%. Leslie Picker following the money. So now we know where he put the money when he got out of Starbucks, I suppose. Yeah, that was a pretty cheesy pun there, Scott, but you're right. Uh, He sold out of Starbucks in the first quarter. We knew that because uh, he had that in his first or his annual letter from March 29th. at today's levels, that stake in Domino's, a 6% stake in Domino's, uh, equates to about a billion dollars. So a significant stake for him. He's someone who has invested in restaurants um, and has done quite well in those investments. Of course, restaurant brands, the parent company of Burger King, Chipotle, uh, just to name a few. So it's an area that he is comfortable in and that he has uh, been eyeing for a while. He said that he's been looking to invest in Domino's for a while and was looking for a good entry point which he found, you can see from that uh, year-to-date chart, there was a pretty significant dip. Um, And it's uh, unclear exactly when he bought in, but he did say that he saw a buying opportunity when those shares dipped. Now, he was speaking at a Wall Street Journal Future of Everything Festival today. He also made some comments about his SPAC, which, of course, is highly watched by the market, trading well above its NAV at this point and trading higher today. This is the Pershing Square Tontine. 
SPAC that he has. He says that he is nearing a deal, and you can see that stock up 5.6% on some comments that uh, appear to indicate that a deal announcement uh, could come within weeks, is what he said. Uh, and he also, Scott, made some comments about crypto, um, saying that he doesn't feel that crypto is a place where he would necessarily feel comfortable putting money, um, but he does admire the creation of it, and he does, quote, kick himself for not understanding that area, Scott. Yeah, maybe, maybe that's the headline, right? Is he, <laughs> he missed it. Yeah, he missed <laughs> we'll it. We'll cut to the chase. Yeah. You know what, he's been a fixture over the years, as, as you know, at the Iris Stone Conference, which mm -hmm. is today. Um, I wish we were there, uh, but that's the way it is this year with the way things yeah. are. But there are some headlines coming out of the conference and you've been following it, Les. Yeah, that's right. So the, the conference has been going on for about an hour right now. We listened very closely into two people uh, who are guests on your show, Brad Gerstner of Altimeter and Bill Gurley of Benchmark. Uh, they were speaking in kind of a fireside chat where Brad was interviewing Bill on a whole host of topics. I found Bill's comments about Robin Hood and how he sees this whole thing unfolding uh, quite interesting. I think we do have a soundbite from Bill that we can play where he talks about, uh, you know, his concerns related to some of the, the speculative trading that he's seeing in the market. I doubt there's anyone in the audience that studied any type of historical investment research that would suggest consumers trading options on margin is a way to get rich over the long run. Um, and in fact, I'd, I'd say that the history suggests it's the opposite, that it's a way to lose money fast. Um, and so unfortunately, I do worry that it's just a speculative endeavor that, that's going to burn out fast. Now, as for some areas that he thinks are overhyped, underhyped, Brad asked Bill, uh, you know, his thoughts on, on those areas. He does believe that SAS uh, has been working and he believes that that has become an area that's maybe a little bit more overhyped than other pockets of the market. As far as underhyped, uh, he does still like consumer tech. He's invested in uh, Discord and Nextdoor. As far as being long short, this was kind of from a, a lightning round that, uh, of questions that he was asked. Um, Bill says that he is long Bitcoin. He is short Dogecoin, long Uber, long Newsom's recall. Uh, he believes that it will happen. He is long Texas, short NFTs, long Facebook, long Apple, and short SoftBank's VC strategy. So that's Bill Gurley uh, being interviewed at the Iris Zone Conference with a very uh, wide variety of topics um, and some interesting insights mm -hmm. into the world of investing. Always good to listen to. Uh, he is. Leslie, thank you. That's Leslie Picker with the latest. All right, let's do some final trades, guys, before we get out of here. Carrie, why don't you start us off, please? CME Group, CME, if you like markets that are very volatile, this is a stock that will do well in it. Okay, Joe Turnover. Real quick, Bill Ackman's undefeated in the restaurant industry. Don't bet against him. Final trade is Bank of America. Okay, well, you used to own Domino's, so maybe that's where you're going a little bit with that. <laughs> sure did. Yeah. Uh, Farmer Jim. Yeah, Marathon Petroleum Corporation. I keep coming back to this because there's an any day catalyst when they close the sale of the Speedway gas station uh, arm. Once they do that, they're going to recapitalize their balance sheet, and that sets up for the next leg higher on buybacks. Okay, Jason Snipe. PayPal, uh, total payment volumes up another 50%. I buy on weakness here. Okay, and Steve Weiss. Porsche, they report tomorrow. It's going to remind you how good Volkswagen is doing in EVs. Buy them both. Okay. Let's show you the markets as we go out. Dow's uh, still down by better than uh, 440 points. 
we're trying to get off the lows of the day. The S&P is down about 65 in the NASDAQ. That's where the selling has been the heaviest, down 2%. It does it for us. Thanks so much for watching. The- You've been listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast. You can always catch us live weekdays at 12 Eastern, only on CNBC. You seek the key, but first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today.